Warning, this podcast contains foul language, coarse humor, adult themes, and strong political opinions. Some of our opinions you might find controversial, offensive, politically incorrect, or just plain disagree with. Also, anyone with a sensitive nature or who's predisposed to being easily offended should think twice before listening to this podcast. So if anything we say upsets or offends you, lighten up or don't listen. After all, it's just a podcast. Greetings, Unwashed Masses. Welcome to Squad Broken, the podcast where we talk about games, movies, music news, sometimes with a dash of political opinion, and our two cents on generally anything we want to talk about. I'm your host, Stefan Robert Kimbrough, and I'm joined by my co-host, the dastardly, diabolical daredevil of destruction, Mr. Matthew David (laughs) Folger. How are you this evening, Matthew? I'm doing really good. I've had a thought recently. What's that? If we get down to one listener, (laughs) then this show is exclusively that listener's show. (laughs) It becomes a very intimate thing. At that I point. very lo- I don't even want to know who it is. Yeah, but think about that. Everyone who's listening, right. you could keep listening <laughs> in the expectation that one day the show will be all yours. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. right. If we keep doing as shit of a job as we've been doing, right. eventually this show would just be one listener. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. That's going to be like the, the uh, Wu-Tang album that they gave to Martin Shkreli. Martin, I got a story about Martin oh, Shkreli in tonight's oh, episode. Hey! You know okay. he wanted to uh, he wanted to take Taylor Swift out on a date and listen to it with her or some shit like that. Oh wow! Yeah, I don't think he got very far. <laughs> I don't think that I think the publicist of uh, Taylor Swift probably shut ex- that down pretty ex- quickly, yeah, instantly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get going in the whatever we want to talk about segment. <clears throat> so I've officially adopted the "fuck you" lifestyle as the way I coin it. Do you know about this lifestyle, Matt? This is a new thing. This is well, you, you wouldn't know about it because this is yeah, this is not a new. Th- well, I guess you could say it's kind of a new thing for me. Huh. So I'll uh, I'll run it by you a little example, okay? Okay. Ask sure. me how I'm doing. How you Fuck doing? you. Oh, okay. Ask me where I've been today. Where Fuck you. Okay. Ask me, um, you know, who I voted for in the presidential election. Who did you? Fuck you. I like you it. see, if you adopt this lifestyle, it's a way of life. Huh? It's a way of way of life. It's a way of thinking. It's a modus operandi. Do you even like finish your own internal thoughts, or are they just interrupted by fuck yous? They're interrupted by Which f- are in turn interrupted by fuck yous and a never-ending spiral of <laughs> never-ending yeah, spiral of fuck you. shout matching. At the end of the uh-huh. day, if you adopt the fuck you lifestyle, you'll mm-hmm. come to find an inner peace oh. and not being able or having to put up with anybody's shit. Hmm. It's like an American version of Zen. You, that, that's what I'm going for. I'm going to market it, patent it, package it, and sell it for $29.99 a month. I like it. Nice. Oh, so, so Emily and I, we go, uh, we go to Cenotopia every once in a while, which is the, the theater across the street here. Oh, yeah, where you can drink beer. You can drink beer. Oh, yeah. In the theater. In the theater. It's like you're... While eating. While eating. Yeah. And listening to some asshole bring his fucking wrapper of... Uh, right, yeah. Of uh, snowballs and hostess snowballs. listen to other people eat and drink loudly. Oh, my God. So, side note, we were wa- we went and saw that movie, A Quiet Place. I don't know if you saw the trailers for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. It's John Krasinski. It's a horror movie based on these monsters that, like, can hear you. Huh. Anyways. Oh. So everybody's trying to be super quiet because the movie, there's hardly any dialogue in it mm-hmm. because the idea obviously is, is if you make any noise, like the monsters can hear you. Right. So it's like a post-apocalyptic movie. Mm. So everybody's super on edge and it's tense and like nobody's saying anything because mm-hmm. like everything, right. you know, you don't want to make a noise, you're like in the movie. Right. And I, there's this fucking asshole sitting two chairs next to me with a, like a ho-ho rapper, <laughs> like just like crinkle, 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 <laughs> not a peep or a sound in the entire theater except for this asshole. For how long? Uh, well, it was only for like, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, but in a movie like this where yeah. it's predominantly quiet. Every second is forever. Every second is an eon. Right. Yeah. Huh. So, anyways, we like going to the movie theater, and 
when we we usually walk there because it's so close mm-hmm. and when we're walking back you know we have to walk through the parking lot yeah so one of our favorite things to do or my favorite thing to do is trolling cars because uh-huh. we'll walk like we're getting into our car but we're not <laughs> we walk the entire <laughs> length of the parking lot and cars will follow us they're like maybe they're getting in here maybe they're getting here and we we walk all the way across the street and we're like, oh, do you I'm zigzag? Sorry. You just go like every, down every line. We we, we try to make it, you know, as like <laughs> as assholeish as possible. As assholeish as fuck you, exactly. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah, there you go. We're adopting it slowly but surely here. Well, it sounds like you both embrace the fuck fuck you lifestyle. We kind of do. Yeah. We've kind of come to that. That's yeah. good. It's good. It's yeah. good. So uh, here's kind of an update on a few stories we did several episodes ago. <clears throat> we talked about Star Wars Battlefront Two. And Middle Earth Shadow of War, right? Oh, yeah, right. Loot chests and... And gambling boxes right. and all that shit. So, apparently, Star Wars Battlefront Two lost so much money. I mean, I think we were talking about this earlier. EA's, they lost like $3 billion in stock valuation. It was something insane. Yeah. Because right. the game tanked. Right. So, they came out, <clears throat> and this was a couple, uh, three, four weeks ago, maybe over a month ago. Huh. So this this article is from Polygon. Right. Star Wars Battlefront 2's progression system update is a complete revamp. <laughs> so they went back to the drawing board completely, and they're like, obviously people don't want to gamble hastily. Yeah, right. and and they waited long enough. Like the the game came out like six months ago, if not more. A lot of overtime being worked over. Oh, dude, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to read this real quick. So it says Star Wars Battlefront 2's infamous progression system, which caused controversy on the eve of the game's launch in November, is about to undergo drastic changes. Electronic Arts announced that an update out on March 21st, and it's obviously out by now, it's an older article, will change how players upgrade their weapons, heroes, and shift and collect loot crates. So, the biggest difference between the current and upcoming versions of the progression system involves star cards, mm-hmm. the stat buffing items that players acquire through random loot crates. Once the update hits, the players will no longer have to sift through crates in order to collect these necessary boosts. They'll be able to trade experience points collected through multiplayer for skill points, which in turn can be spent on star cards to unlock or upgrade a character, weapon, ship, or class uh-huh. in linear fashion. So, I actually played it because I have it. Uh-huh. And it, it was exactly that. Like, you would spend currency that you would earn in the game on crates that would just unlock random shit. Uh, so if you wanted to play as uh, a starship most of the time... It's like opening packs of magic cards. It's opening packs of magic cards, but yeah. it's... But, like, at least in magic cards, you, I guess you get something of value. Like, in here, if I just want to play the heavy class... Yeah. And it was the old system, I could be playing for hours and hours and never unlock anything for the heavy class. Oh, so you just kind of get whatever you're... You get whatever you get. It's like hand-me-downs kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just random gambling junk box shit. What do you do with redundant items that you get? You can... can Scrap. Sell them at a you, massive discount. You, yeah, you, you would you would scrap them <laughs> and you idiotic. would get currency. You get like a tenth of what it's worth. It's totally idiotic. And so they revamped the system. So now I played a little bit of it, and you basically just play. You get experience points, and then when you level up, you get an uh, an unlock token, mm-hmm. and you unlock a card of your choice, uh-huh. which is way better. Right. But unfortunately, the game still sucks. Still sucks. Right. So. That oh. ship is sailed, and, and you know, like we were talking about. <laughs> I, I love it though, because the, the stockholders, all the fuckers that are at the top of that, yeah, like <laughs> squeeze extra money out of people. Yeah, it's like, well, and they they pay the like price for it. How yeah. do you like them now? How do you like them apples? How do you like your loss? Yeah, they lost a lot of money, dude. Yeah, they even got a call from Bob Eager, the CEO over at Disney, who apparently called the EA and was like, "What are you doing to my brand?" Because this should <laughs> this should be you know ideally making a lot of money, right? And so, how do you fuck up something as like timeless and classic as Star, Star Wars? Wars? Like this, we, we licensed this for Star Wars, and you fucked it up. They it's fu- like <laughs> they fucked it up, dude. Yeah, you can believe whoever spearheaded that idea. Yeah, is fucking gone, dude. Right, they should be. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so that's good news. It's, it, it, again, like we were talking about a couple episodes ago in the video game world. Once you miss that boat, 
you're done, dude. Like, yeah. like there's still not many people playing the game right. because that goodwill is gone. Yeah. That bad blood is in the water. That that goodwill is spoiled. Yeah. Um, and it's so like trying, to, it's on, trying to like relaunch a movie. Yeah. After 60 days. Yeah, <laughs> with with like a it's like Justice League, dude. Yeah. Uh, I've got an episode of two guys bullshitting about movies coming up with uh, Batman vs Superman and Justice League. But like Andrew and I talk about, it's like yeah. they spent all this money on Justice League, and then they spent all this extra money on reshoots. And it didn't even make as much money as Batman vs Superman. Hmm. And now they can't release a director's cut because if they do, it undermines all the reshoots <laughs> they did. Right? Right. So, so anyways, moving on. Something that kind of uh, correlates with what we're talking about. And then Shadow of War. They're doing the same thing with Shadow of War. So this is the <laughs> sequel to Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor yeah. that you played. Right. And I played all three. I want to read this quick uh, press release from um, WB Games or Monolith oh, okay. Games. Right. It's, w, yeah. it's WB. It's Whoever, WB, but... Whoever made the game. WB right. produced it. Monolith made it, I think. Yeah. So anyways, uh, so it says, this is from Monolith Mark, the community admin. Uh, this is dated uh, April 2nd. We want to thank all the Middle Earth Shadow of War players as we learned a lot from you since we released the game last fall. This is fucking came out in September, dude. Yeah. We've been listening to your feedback and continue to update and improve the experience. With that in mind, we'll be releasing a series of free updates in the coming months to offer current fans and new players the best Shadow of War experience possibly can. Mm -hmm. And then there's just one more paragraph I'm going to read. The core promise of the Nemesis system is the ability to build relationships with personal allies and enemies in a dynamic open world. While purchasing orcs in the market is, is more immediate and provides additional player options. I love how they justify that shit. It provides more player options. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have come to realize that providing this choice risks undermining the heart of our game, the Nemesis system. Well, no shit. It allows you to miss out on the awesome player stories you would have otherwise created, and it com compromises those same stories even if you don't buy anything. Simply being aware that they are available for purchase reduces the immersion in the world and takes away from the challenge of building your personal army and your fortresses. And, well, no shit. In order to fully restore the core promise of the Nemesis system, we'll be permanently removing gold, war chests, and the market from Shadow of War. This means the options to purchase gold with real world money and the ability to gain orc followers from the war chest will be removed. Uh, there will be a specific amount of time given for players to utilize their unused gold. If players have unused gold by the end of the time allocated to spend it, any remaining gold will be converted to in-game items. So, and it goes on here to say, like, what they're doing to counterbalance that. <clears throat> because, obviously, what they did was, like, in the first game, you would go through the story and you could recruit orcs and you can bring them to your side by using a special branding power. Mm. What you would do in this game is you would assault fortresses and you would have to get orc captains that are of a certain rank in order to successfully raid those uh, fortresses. Mm -hmm. But they locked them inside war chests, which were gambling loot boxes that you'd have to spend real money on. Oh, nice. Which, which is right. Like it completely takes away from the game knowing that you get halfway through it, yeah. and you're completely stalled because yeah, you're yeah. at a point that you can't progress. And it turns into an MMO. It turns into a fucking MMO. Yeah. And so <clears throat> they go down to say here that what they're going to be doing is basically just putting more of those orc captains, those elite orc captains, in the game oh. that you'll find, right. which is what it should be to begin with. Right. So. I guess they lost a lot of money and they <laughs> didn't, they also got fucked over by their, you know, shot themselves in the foot. Right. Uh, rightfully so. And I'd like to think that we here at Squad Broken had everything to do with making these changes happen. In this era of Trump, we were focused on the activism that counts. The counts, the dude, counts. That makes a difference. <laughs> and thanks to you, six listeners. Right. We'll continue to make change here on Squad Broken. Yep, they're still building the wall. <coughs> we're, you know, probably going to get in a war with North Korea, but damn it. Those loot boxes are removed. They're gone. <laughs> I can die with You're a smile welcome. on my face saying I did You're something. Welcome. That's right. Okay, so also, uh, kind of more to the point with this, uh, how would you say, how would you how would you coin this uh, phrase, the 
the uh, I guess it's microtransactions, right? Like people like something that we used to buy at a, at a wholesale price for a whole item. They're like breaking it up and trying to yeah. sell little bits of it. Oh man, totally right. So I use this app called the Run P app, right? Mm-hmm. So you go to a movie, you have to pee, you miss the part of the story. Yeah, you're gone for like five minutes. Right. So there's this awesome app called Run P app, huh. and you would click on a movie. Yeah. And it would say, this is the best time to go pee. Because oh. there's no story, there's nothing, you're not missing anything. Oh, okay. And it used to be free. And obviously, the dude who made the app, you know, would sell advertisements on the app. Wow. And make money. Yeah. Now he charges pee coins. No. So when you fucking have to click on a movie, if you don't have any pee coins. coins, you have to use a pee coin. Mm. I'm like, this guy's going to crash and burn just like these other two assholes. So you know what I did? I stopped using the app. <laughs> it's like, it's just like... It's just like these last two games. It's like, dude, you cannot fucking charge people for something that they know is true to be free. <laughs> That's our next battle here on Spot Broken. <laughs> P coins must die. We're coming for you, Run P app. Beyond virtual, virtual currency for thing I've never heard of. <laughs> I've got you in my sights. Got you in my fucking sights. <laughs> so, anyways, moving on. Oh, so okay. Uh, Emily and I are getting married soon, uh-huh. and uh, we're drafting our prenup. Yeah. Signed it a couple weeks ago. And we went through this, like, online... What block. a great idea, though, by the way. Oh, dude. Totally. I For mean, sure. Really? I mean, like, the modern concept of marriage and all that stuff. I mean, eternal fealty and loyalty and blood oath, and you can only die to leave this deal. It's like, really? Yeah. It's like, there's not any kind of standard of, you know, lines that can't be crossed. Deal breakers. Decency levels yeah. that can't be... You know, because what does it mean? It's all just very romantic and like high flying, romantic language prose. Very old school. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, and it, it was from an era that like, you know, until death do us part was like right around the corner. Yeah, because like, life expectancy was in the thirties. Like, Yellow fever will be back next year. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. shit. You know, fifty percent child mortality. Like we ain't living that long. So now people living into their eighties, nineties, yeah. even their centuries. Right. Uh, yeah. So 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 we thought it prudent to draft a. Uh, a prenuptial agreement and mm-hmm. both her and I wanted it so mm-hmm. you know uh, we call I called a few attorneys they wanted over a thousand dollars dude right. you so can do this online oh we did this we did it online so yeah. we went to we went to rocketlawyer.com where you can get all your <laughs> prenuptial needs met and we don't get we any, actually we have an actual sponsor we, we don't well, have you know, any but, sponsors yeah, yeah but you know but I'm hoping right that rocket somebody behind rocket lawyer will yeah, will call us and this. diet caffeine free Pepsi <laughs> you hear me Pepsi you hear me <laughs> we'll uh, we'll eventually sponsor us so <clears throat> so we went on there and it's cool because they have templates and we we honestly do not get sponsored by them this is just what we happen to use I don't think our three less <laughs> give a shit yeah, yeah. So uh, we went on there, and they have templates like, do you want to buy a house? Do you want to do a prenup? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? We clicked on that. And we go through the whole thing, and it was pretty quick. And it basically asks you a series of questions. It's like, do you want to have finances that are pooled? Do you want to have finances that are separated? Like, in what event do you... Which, by the way, is already part of the established divorce law. Yeah. Like, if you don't establish these things up front, uh, there's a legal precedent for them, and it probably is not what you might expect. Or hope for. Yeah, so it's not everything is pulled by default, yeah. just because you might think it's that way. Exactly. Yeah. So so, so we went down the line, and uh, we came to this one interesting clause or option, and it was said it was about disability. Yeah. And so we clicked yes, we weren't quite sure, and I can't quite remember what exactly the description of it was. Right. So we come to the end of it, and mm-hmm. it breaks it all down before you print it out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, if you want to go back and do any changes, you can mm-hmm. before you finalize it. So we came down to that clause. Right. 
And it basically said that we had agreed to be obligated to take care of the other if they became physically disabled. Right. And we both looked at each other and we're like, let's start laughing. Nah, let's go back and fix that. <laughs> so we went back and we took it out because we both feel like Just we a pillow and then two bullets to the head, please. Right. No. So I mean. We were like, if, if one of us becomes fully disabled, we don't want to like be... Like quadriplegic? Yeah, yeah. Like fully disabled. We right. want to we want to be in a point where we choose to take care of that person. Hmm. Not because we feel we are legally obligated. Right. And that's what this document was saying. Well, in the state, you know, naturally, the, the state and, the, you know, people that represent, you know, put people in representative positions of power in government hmm. generally reflect that position of like, once you have someone hitched... Like, that's your fucking problem. Yeah. Right? So, like, you're not dumping this, you know, person that can't take care of himself on the public dole. Mm-hmm. We don't want to pay for him. You're right. married to him. Deal with it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so, like, you know, if that's not established or you have a way out of it. Yeah. Then there's legal precedent for everything. About oh, it. for sure, dude. You know, spousal support. Someone, like, you know, has earning income potential. Someone doesn't. Yeah. There's precedent for all that stuff. Oh, yeah. So, you are signing a prenup if you get married. It's just one established by something you have no control over. Yeah, exactly. But, but the idea of the prenup and it being as ironclad as we as we hope is that we come to the table with everything open right. and agreed upon yeah there's no surprises how how responsible right like we know if the worst happens this is what's going to happen right. and i told her from like she makes double what i make i was like i don't want any of your money mm-hmm. i was like if something happens to your mom and you get a whole bunch of money it's like none of that's mine mm-hmm. would i benefit from it because we're married at the time and we get a nice house or whatever you mm-hmm. know sure sure but like what kind of a sleaze ball would I be? And I, this is just my personal feelings. Yeah. I feel like anybody who gets involved in a relationship for those purposes, right. it's disgusting unless those are the terms you come to agree upon beforehand. Right. Like if a woman's like, I just want to be a homemaker mm-hmm. or a man for that matter. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and the wife makes more money or whatever, vice versa. Right. And they're like, that's fine. You stay home, take care of the kids. Then great. But I feel that anybody that deceptively gets into a relationship yeah. thinking that or that, oh, we don't need a prenup. Because because I couldn't I couldn't fathom the idea of yeah. signing something like that, feigning it off as like yeah. being unromantic. Right, yeah. When what they really want is half your fucking income if you get divorced. Sure. Or they're just you know not brave enough to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's be an adult. Right. Talk about you know prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Right. So, anyways, I just thought it was funny that we both came to that point. We're like, nah, don't want to <laughs> feel like I'm legally obligated to support you if you're disabled. So. Moving on. <clears throat> All right, so we have a new microwave in the employee break room <laughs> that it blows my mind how stupid it is. Did they hype it? Oh, my God. No, they didn't hype it. Oh, okay. But we, you come in there. You know, normally you, a, a digital microwave, <laughs> yeah. it looks like a telephone pad. Yeah. There's fucking 10 numbers, uh-huh. one through zero, mm-hmm. and you put in how long you want in for, and you push start. Mm-hmm. Really fucking easy. Mm-hmm. And then maybe there's some buttons that say, like, pizza or mm-hmm. popcorn or... So- Defrost. Microsoft got in charge of developing microwave oven interfaces. Uh, Just a bewildering, nebulous maze. It might as well be. So, get this. I have a picture on my phone, but I don't have my phone on me right now. So, the front of the fucking screen is numbers one through Mm -hmm. zero, which you would think. But they're in a a row from top to bottom instead of like in a keypad. So, you're like, okay, whatever. I go two, zero, zero for two minutes and I hit start. Yeah. No. You hit two, and it's on for 30 seconds. Hmm. You hit three, it's on for 30 seconds. You hit... But no, no. Let me let me rephrase that. It's not it's not like you would think where it's like you hit two, and it's 20 seconds. Hmm. You hit two, and it's like 
30 seconds. You hit three and it turns it on for like 40 seconds. Like none of it makes any sense at all. You hit eight. It's a parabolic curve. You, I have no idea. <laughs> you hit the button eight and it's on for two minutes. Huh. And you can't, you can't go like two, zero, zero. Yeah. Like if you hit two and then zero, zero, zero is like four minutes. Right. And you, and you can't hit a button twice for to add time. So if I want 30 seconds and two is 15 seconds, I can't hit two twice. Right. Literally, they have the fucking manual posted <laughs> up above it to see how to read it. Remember when microwaves used to be simple? Oh, those, my God, those dude. Those days are over. I was so furious. And they bought two of them. <laughs> they bought two of them. I was like, how can you fuck up a microwave? How can you fuck up a microwave? And they did it. They fucked it up, dude. Well, our engineers have been hard at work. We asked them the question, how can you fuck up a microwave? <laughs> this is what they, they pulled it off. They pulled it off. I'm like Unveiling. If there's anything that you could design as an engineer to not fuck up that would be super easy. I don't think a toaster. I guess if you fucked up a toaster. Yeah. You could do it. Right. You could fuck it up. This toaster doesn't launch the bread out. It launches it deeper. Deeper into the toaster. <laughs> into the toaster, yeah. And, and taunts you to come after it. Yeah, I guess. Can you catch me? I don't know. I just stood there, dude, looking at this thing, just contemplating committing suicide just like is this that's that's button number eight uh, nine like, <laughs> nine is when you're fed up with it i'm like is this the straw that broke the camel's back like i don't know if i can handle life much more past this point uh, what do you say we get into you know really grinds my gears sure gear. let's, let's do it let's get on into it get on into it that's a grinding gear noise that's a grinding gear noise yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. all right you I, know got what? I got it you got it. i got it. you got the reference okay. yes yeah you know what really grinds my gears, Matt? Pray. Bulk foods. Really? I feel like they need to be put on an island hmm. and bombed. Just the bulk, bulk food section? The bulk food section, hmm. the bulk foods themselves, Yeah. the idea of bulk foods, books on bulk foods. It's kind of gross. It is, right? Yeah. I feel like any time I walk by the bulk food sections, I'm like, who uses that? Yeah. I'm like, why do they use that? You're like, uh, you know when you can buy things in nice sterilized clean packaging yeah well imagine everyone in the world putting their fists (laughs) fisted grubby disgusting walnuts or whatever you're buying their nuts their chocolate buttercups or whatever it is I have at no point in my life walked by the bulk food sections and have are you really saving that much no are you you're not and then they try to get smart with it they package the bulk foods in the plastic containers like at Fred Meyer's and they try to pass it off as pre-packaged we're aware all right, we, we know, know. We know. We know what you're doing. <laughs> I'm not fooled. I know those are bulk. If you guys foods. are sealing that on site. Yeah, that's not a sealed pack. I know you're going there. And you'd be like, nobody's buying this because it has no- to be done. In, I want my. I'm an American. I want my food coming from some distant place. Yeah. That far, far away. Yeah. And yes, and that's how I want it. It's like I want my water straight from Nestle. <laughs> I want them making in a plastic BPA in a, bottle. In a plastic BPA bottle, polluting the environment with lots of estrogen simulating fluoride and fluoride. You know, and right. I want to pay twenty times, fifty <laughs> times worth for something that <laughs> well, I should be getting for free. Speaking of bulk, yeah, I have a, like a little, you know, half whatever cylindrical condom. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, that too, but yeah. a, a half. Uh, uh, height, oh, I guess. Yeah. Thing of uh, turmeric powder. Okay. You know, not like full like, uh, height, but like half height. Okay, sure. And that probably cost you know four or five bucks. Right. Meanwhile, I also bought like a two pound bag of organic turmeric powder for yeah. like the same price. Yeah. So there's definitely something fishy going on. There's there something with, fishy, dude. Well, with you know being able to buy in bulk, like how much you're actually charging to buy something in a in a package. Well, I it I really think it. A lot of it, some of it, really, I don't know, that's too too contradictory statements. 
it has to do with like what they think they can get away with charging. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like all of it yeah. almost. I know. Like, uh, for example, there's these uh, discs that make Mexican hot chocolate. Oh yeah. There's something I randomly noticed. Yeah, yeah. You used to buy like a stack of them. Like, yeah. Six or eight of them. I know which ones you're talking. For about. like five bucks. Yeah, man. And now you you can buy like the individual ones for five bucks. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? It's like they there? just woke up one day and they're like, why are we charging or why are we like letting them get away right. with buying all of these for five or six when we can be charging for one. But it's just like, then it comes to a point where people are just like, all right, I just won't buy it. Mm-hmm. And you make no money. Right. It's like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, you know, with that model, with that kind of profitability, only, you know, they have to maintain like 20% of their previous customers <laughs> yeah. to, to make, make, uh, make profit. Yeah. So it's really like they're just taking <clears throat> dirt out of one pocket and putting it in the other. Cause less work for them. I guess they can make the same amount of money and ship less product. But you know they're always downside. Like, you know, because of that, they're not doing as much business, so they're having to downsize. And another thing that really grinds my gears is people who use the word ginormous, hmm. or uh, what's another one? Uh, I think I already used this on a previous. You know, it really grinds my gears. Guesstimation. 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 Instead of guess or estimation. Doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence if someone's using that term. Doesn't. Doesn't. Especially in any business setting. Yeah. I'll guesstimate. I'm like, you'll either estimate or you'll (laughs) guess, but you don't guesstimate. (laughs) And another thing that really grinds my gears is people who say a new baby. Hmm. Because which babies aren't new? Mm, Benjamin Button. Oh, oh, I knew you were going to say something like that, you son of a bitch. That's just too easy of a setup. It's like a loaded question, right? Right. I shouldn't have even... The only one. But, you know, they're they're specifying. (laughs) This isn't the fable story of, you know... Of the old baby, Benjamin Button. Yeah, exactly. Grew so young that he died. Yes. Right. But I clarify. I I like that movie, but... I kind of walked into I that really one. I like that movie. You, I'm, I'm afraid we're going to have to end this podcast right now, <laughs> folks. He's hitting the DEFCON 5 button. The, the, uh, Why? Well, because the... Because you have no soul? I mean, I get that. Well, I liked all the uh, like flashbacks Yeah. where they were covering the guy's life. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. But the inner weaving narrating part of uh-huh. the woman who was in her deathbed or whatever was so overacted. Oh, with uh, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, and I was like... She was like, oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you mean you mean how the movie starts with her? No, no it, it, like every 15, 20 minutes, yeah. it like it goes, goes back, back into the yeah. room. Yeah, and it's like, do we really need to see it in the hospital room? Like, can she just narrate? Yeah, can she just be the voice over the top of the? She has to be dying. Well, and I was just like, close the window. It was just like <laughs> really. I mean, like not only like a couple times, but multiple times. Yeah, of her like totally taking me out of the movie. Okay. I'm like, I do not buy. What you're selling me right now? Do you just not like Kate Blanchett, or you just thought I don't those like Kate Blanchett dressed as an old woman mm-hmm. in really bad makeup, mm-hmm. seri- overacting like to the levels of like Shirley Temple? I like present day Kate Blanchett as well. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. But in that movie, I, yeah, I don't know. It was just it wasn't doing it for you. Take you know, take five had what it, uh, and they chose take four or six. I don't know. <laughs> Editing issue? I don't know what the hell it was. Okay, fair enough. I found that a little distracting. Didn't work for you. Didn't work for you. Found it a little distracting. And the movie was incredibly fucking bleak. (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention. Not to mention, it was just like unabashedly bleak with like... He ends up getting Alzheimer's. With like almost no ray of hope. Yeah. And it's like, where's the contrast? I need a little bit of a contrast. (laughs) The hope was that they had a daughter who chain smoked. (laughs) That was... Do you remember? (laughs) Because she found out, like, that was the big reveal, oh. was that this dude who aged backwards was the real father of the daughter, the Burnett, mm. who was some, I don't want to say no-name actress because she does have a name, but she's not famous. Right. 
Anyway, she's she was a chain smoker. Yeah, it was just super bleak. Yeah, and like three hours long or something like that. It was long. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. I mean, not moving on, but moving on within this segment. Yeah. And another thing that really grinds my gears is having to pick something to drink at Whole Foods. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. Yeah. We Emily and I go there for dinner sometimes because uh-huh. they have a hot bar. Right. And the food's excellent. Uh-huh. But then you go to their drink section. Yeah. And it's all garbage. It's- all garbage. And what, what I mean by garbage is it's all like... It's all stuff I would drink. It's all stuff, yeah. you, it's all stuff you would drink. It's like kombucha. Yeah, just all like 50 kinds of kombucha. Y- yerba mate. Herba, herbal just, sodas. Just fucking garbage. It's the dude. best, dude. I was, I was hoping you'd say like... you get. Uh, I want to see it where you get like lifted up on like a rotating turnstile and you're like floating inside okay. a cylinder. Okay. To see all the dizzying... Array. Selection. Of yeah. selection, yeah. There's just so much that they should just actually like wrap it around you. Right. And have it go up, yeah. No, I I see where like where they stored the data in Rogue One. Just like <laughs> right, this big cylindrical yeah. data yeah. It just goes like far as the hard drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just in the middle of it, just spinning up and down. Sure, sure. <laughs> Not quite like that. More like sitting, uh, standing in front of uh, an a cold rack aisle, you know, fridge of nothing but garbage. With Fifty different things of something you never even that I of. don't want. Right. Like looking at this drink with like seeds in it. Like who the fuck wants a drink pine with cones, pine cones, <laughs> maple leaves, dude? I'm like, what the it, fuck is you happening? Can, you can see it from the side, and it looks like a uh, like a terrarium with like worms in the yeah, bottom. Yeah, I think the, I, I'm pretty sure there was a fetus in one of them. I'm pretty <laughs> sure there was a fetus in one of them. Of course. <laughs> so so, anyways, having to pick something to drink at Whole Foods is like a fucking nightmare. By the way, Whole Foods, when are you gonna replace those checkers? Right. I want that automated checkout. Shit, I want it yesterday. yesterday. Hey, yes! <laughs> I want it yesterday, and I want the automated cars. So, so funny thing you should mention that. Yeah. I uh, went to McDonald's oh. and uh, picked up some of those Szechuan sauces. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they have, like, four kiosks that you can order from now. Oh, yeah. I still went up and ordered from a person because I don't I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm old school. Uh-huh. I don't want to go up to a fucking pad and like smear your finger smear my fingers where everybody else has smeared their fingers and wiped <laughs> their ass on this you know digital display like right. plus like that puts the onus on me i came into your establishment motherfucker you take my order i don't you as, know as uh, <laughs> someone who hosts a podcast for three people uh, it should be no surprise to our listeners that <laughs> stefan likes to talk <laughs> and so the idea of taking away any opportunity for Stefan to talk as did I life. won't have it. I won't have it. I will not have it, sir. So, so I go in there. I look at these these kiosks. I immediately turn to the manager, who couldn't be more than fifteen years old. I walk up. I'm like, I'd like to actually order from a human being, please. Anyways. Um, <clears throat> moving on. So okay. For some reason, when you said fifteen year old Andrew, I thought of like a. Like a, a Russian soldier in World War Two on the on the Eastern Front, <laughs> the Eastern yeah. Front. Some farm boy picked up and thrown a rifle. Hey man, you smoke him if you got him. Whatever works, use it. That was my mental image there. Uh, okay, and another thing that really grinds my gears is people who walk with their phone on speaker, holding it horizontally. Can you demonstrate? I can demonstrate. I don't have a phone, but let's pretend the phone is in my hand. Okay. So, <clears throat> if you're walking in a public place, yeah. You know, I'm not talking about oh, people, just like this. Yeah. I'm not talking about people who, you know, maybe in their homes and are doing it. But if you're walking in a public place with it on speaker loudly and you're having an open conversation that you maybe shouldn't have an open, like involving everybody else to an extent by letting them hear your conversation Mm. and then walking like in a a place of work. Yeah, I'm very private when someone's on speakerphone. Yeah, it's very, very, it's just rude, man. Like 
stop. <laughs> just, just don't. Just don't do it. On a more serious note, just yeah. please, please stop. <laughs> please stop. And another thing that really grinds my gears is people who say, well, it's all yours now. Hmm. In any way, shape, or form, whether you're giving something to someone, you're handing something to someone. It's almost always using the context if you're giving someone a problem. Yeah. 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 Or, or that. Yeah, a problem. Yeah. If, if you've ever said that in your life, I'm not quite sure if I want you listening to this podcast. Oh, man. And we go to, and we go to two listeners. And we're going to two listeners. <laughs> no, I'm just with you. But seriously, it's, it's not good. Uh, no, I don't give a shit if you say it. I'm just trying to cause mm-hmm. grief. Mm-hmm. And finally, what really grinds my gears on this segment, lastly, is people who say especially. Oh. And they mean... Especially. Especially. Yeah, especially. I, pr- I probably say that. No, you especially. say especially. Especially. They say E-G-S. E-G-S. Egg specially. Egg specially. It's not egg specially. There was someone recently uh, I met from Idaho, mm. and they pronounced bully, like if someone was to bully somebody. Yeah. Like bully. Like with like a, huh. a big like U in the middle of it. Bully. Bully. Yeah, That's like that. Weird. Bully. And it was like, then again, everything else they said was like normal pronunciation. Right, I right. Like, I was like, where did you... I ask him, like, where did you get that pronunciation? Well, they bully? are from Idaho. Yeah. So Some weird shit going on around Idaho. Weird fucking shit going on <laughs> in Idaho. Shall we move into bullshit news, sir? Sure, yes, sir. Oh, God, that was a belch from my, my guts. Mm. Uh, all right. First up on bullshit news, our first article from the Oregon Live. Ah, you see what I did there? Mm. From OregonLive.com. It's not really an, an, or, an article. It's more of like a... It, it was a letter to the editor. Because... Uh. Trump's cracking down on those fucking, those uh, opioid dealers. Mm. And by opioid dealers, he means street-level dealers. Ah. So Trump recently came out and said that we should have the death penalty for people dealing narcotics on the streets, like street-level drug dealers. And I think he was specifically referring to opiates. So anyways, this letter to the editor, somebody says, uh, if the U.S. government is going to impose the death penalty on opioid traffickers, doesn't it need to include the CEOs and marketing executives at pharmaceutical companies? Mm -hmm. To which I would say... Probably. Mm-hmm. Probably. Right. Yeah. Because that's the problem, is doctors and pharmaceutical companies pushing doctors to overprescribe opiates. Yeah, it's true. I mean... It's a gateway drug. <laughs> it's it's um, like the worst drug. And I, I, I'm playing a character here on this show. Name, same name as Matt Fulton. <laughs> and this is a character I'm playing. Yes. And when I was prescribed yeah. some pain pills in, yeah. in my past, right. as, a, as the character. As the character, Matt. Yeah. I, I just want to point out we, we both are, are playing, playing characters, characters right. who happen to have the, the same, same names name, right. as us. It's a, like, right. like Alex Jones said in his yeah. divorce proceeding. Yeah, yes. It's just a show. It's just, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's just a show. Of course, this show is entirely like, satirical. Completely satirical. Yeah. But anyway, like given pain meds, mm-hmm. it was like, first of all... Not really even doing much for the pain. Yeah. And now I'm high. Yeah. And it's like, how is this legal? Yeah. <laughs> what what problem is this solving? Yeah. I kind of still feel in pain and yeah. I'm just high now. Yeah. Very weird. I don't know. It's, I don't even know how that's a legal drug. Some of those pain meds. Well, I mean, obviously some point in history it got to the point where whoever was dealing it, making money off it, was getting so much money from it, mm-hmm. they paid off the right people to keep certain other drugs illegal and to make their keep their drugs legal. It's amazing to me that something like Oxycontin is not a Schedule 1 drug. Yeah. Like, it has such addictive... And then something like marijuana is a Schedule 1 drug. On it, the street price for Oxy well, is, like, crazy. Oh, I, I don't doubt told, it. Someone told me what that was. Or something. Yeah, yeah. But like, you can look it up. Yeah, It's yeah. just, like, fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People, what people will do for that specific drug. Right, exactly. And and the fucked up part just is... Just like heroin pills. Pretty oh, much. no, it's ex- almost exactly what it is. Right. The fucked up part is, is you could... 
be prescribed a, a narcotic and for, for on a long-term pain contract and your body becomes so accustomed and I'm not a doctor. I mean, this is just common knowledge. Like you can look this up on the internet. Uh -huh. If you don't have it all the time after a certain point, like your body goes through withdrawals. And so it's not good for long-term use. Right. Like, and yet people are on it for years. Years. Yeah. It actually has a pretty mild uh, body impact. Like mm -hmm. if you did math for years or mm -hmm. something like that, you would like, it would kill you. Right. But the physical impact of opioids is actually really minimal. But, but it's the withdrawal. Sure. People can't get off it. And then, so then if you, you're going to your doctor for years and years and years and he's prescribing you these pain meds, right? And you don't find any alternative. And then all of a sudden one day your doctor, for whatever reason, maybe he's getting cracked down on by the DEA. He's prescribing too many controls, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Doctor's like, I can't prescribe this to you anymore. Right. And you go to another doctor and they're like, I can't prescribe this to you. You like clearly have a history, blah, right. blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You're fucked. Yeah. You're fucked, oh, those dude. people I've, like, I, I know that have been in that experience. Yeah, they're on oxy and been prescribed it for years, and they like the, the you know some quota comes down. They're like, this is too much. Yeah, we gotta cut back, and that's all in good. Yeah, it's just a problem. But the thing is, you should have never got there in the first place. Right, yeah. and it's not necessarily your fault because it's the doctor's job to abide by the Hippocratic oath, which is that to do no harm. Right, and it's like, well, yeah, they're in pain, but at a certain point, you know, if you're a doctor, and I'm not one, but if I were a doctor, I would think that at a certain point you would have to have a hard line of like, you can't take it like, and cut it off close. Mm -hmm. Like not, don't, they can't, you know, give them years on yeah. that shit. Right. But then again, every case is different. I'm not a doctor. So what do I know? Yeah. Moving on. Uh, our next article is from the Huffington post.com. Pharma bro, Martin Shkreli, man, we've been following this guy. Shkreli. For some time now. The name just sounds so perfect. It rolls me. so nicely off the tongue. Just fits him, fits him so well. It does. It fits him very well. Martin Shkreli, uh, the former drug company executive who, who, this, who made headlines by jacking up the price of a life-saving drug before he was found guilty of defrauding investors, was sentenced to seven years and a $75,000 fine on Friday. Seven years in prison. Sentence from a U.S. District Judge Kiyo Matsumoto in federal court in Brooklyn, New York, was shorter than the 15 years asked for by prosecutors, but much longer than the 12 to 18 months Shkreli's lawyers had sought. Screlly's lawyer, Benjamin Braffman, told the judge before the sentencing that Screlly, 34, suffered from, oh, he suffered from depression Aww. and an anxiety disorder that was a somewhat broken person whom the government wanted to throw <laughs> away. My heart fucking bleeds for this guy. <laughs> Assistant U.S. Attorney Jacqueline Casulis had said a 15-year sentence was justified in part because Screlly's crimes were not an isolated lapse in judgment but a pattern of conduct including separate frauds for his two hedge funds and for his drug company, Retrofin. I don't know what's worse. The fact that <clears throat> this guy only got 15, uh, the fact that this guy only got seven years, or the fact that he got seven years for defrauding investors and not like <laughs> quintupling, or what was it? It's like 10 times increasing the price of a life-saving mm -hmm. AIDS or cancer drug that he bought the patent for. Mm -hmm. Scum. Absolute scum. <laughs> but at least he got seven years in prison. Moving on. Uh, this next article is from TheVerge.com. So it says, This cheap 3D printed home is a start for the one billion who lack shelter. Uh -huh. And I kind of want to get into this on the, on, the, on the flip side. I got a few thoughts about this. So hmm. food, water, and shelter are basic human needs, but 1.2 billion people in the world live without adequate housing, according to a report by the World Resources Institute Ross Center for Sustainable Cities. Today, I guess South by Southwest, 
An Austin-based startup will unveil its approach to combat the, that deficiency by using low-cost 3D printed as a potential solution. Hmm. Icon, I guess that's the company, has developed a method for printing a single-story 650-foot square house out of cement in only 12 to 24 hours. Cement's pretty strong, too. I mean, that would, mm-hmm. I would think that'd be, like, resistant to tornadoes and shit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> a fraction of the time it takes for new construction. If all goes according to plan, a community made up of about 100 homes will be constructed for residents in El Salvador next year. The company has partnered with New Story, a nonprofit that is vested in international housing solutions. We've been building homes for communities in Haiti, El Salvador, and Bolivia. Alexandria Lafsey, co-founder of the New Story, tells The Verge. Using the Vulcan printer, Icon can print an entire home for $10,000 and plans to bring costs down to $4,000 per house. It's much cheaper than the typical American home, Ballard says. It's capable of printing a home that's 800 square feet, a significantly bigger structure than properties purchased by the tiny home movement, which top out at about 400 square feet. In contrast, the average New York home apartment is 866 square feet. Mm-hmm. So while that's all in good, and I appreciate that type of work, mm-hmm. my thing is, is again, it's not going to matter, and it's not going to do a lick of difference if you can't get these zoning laws re reconfigured, man. Sure. Because... You're going to have companies like this. You, you've been able to do this for a long time, man. we got right. tiny houses all over the place here. Yep. But where you can park them, where you can have them, is all based on some arbitrary bullshit homeowners association, how, zoning law, city ordinance mm-hmm. that says you can't live here because the other people who have been stuck in this money hole paradigm mm-hmm. of the housing the housing market right. say since you can't since I wasn't able to do that you're not able to do that Matthew Folger there it is <laughs> well it just shows you how much of the that the more money we have in this system that we presently live in the, mm. poor, the poorer we are right right and so, nobody's willing to take a loss to take the steps to get out of it right and somebody's going to have to take a haircut well and the people that take the loss are the ones that are living on the streets right so, so. It's, it's never the people who need to take it yeah it's never the Jamie Diamonds yeah. or the fucking well you can you know you'd have to reorganize society and do a lot of things but the things that would be possible if we could have those kind of conversations which you know every person in tremendous uh, degrees of power has every inclination to make sure those conversations never can happen right of like you know you'd have to do it gradually but mm-hmm. you, you could like work to get humanity out of this pickle that it's in do you think that it would come through things like decentralized internet a decentralized currency like like if those things like bitcoin let's say for example hit hard enough and fast enough and are pervasive enough <clears throat> that they could outpace things like legislation right you see where i'm going so something that's invented like let's say a decentralized internet or a decentralized currency like for some reason everybody starts using bitcoin or the internet is stored instead of on servers on everybody's computer, like little bits, right? Do you think something like that has the potential to revolutionize society almost overnight? Or do you think that's something that may never happen? I don't know. I mean, technology can do certain things, but I think it's also limited because there's no amount of technology that can't be you know, packaged, resold to, uh, trademarked, mm-hmm. labeled. Controlled. Controlled. You know, so there needs to be a political awakening of people understanding what is cap- possible with the technology. You know, we can use that to to build a different, a much different looking society. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have the you know old scarcity pers- paradigm of money and creating scarcity where there need not exist artificial any. scarcity. Yeah, yeah, where there need not exist any, and so and when people's wealth is all tied up in that system, and they spent their whole life to you know move that forty hours that a peg, week for thirty years that peg up yeah. the scale, even though it might be a completely or mostly fictitious basis, they're yeah. going to do everything they can to fight to keep it that way. Yeah. So it's a pretty big conundrum. And we're all, you know, all 
a part of it. So I think it's just, you know, something that will gradually take take shape over time. I mean, mm-hmm. the amount of people in like dire poverty has gone down over the past thirty years, and earning potential is up across the world, and access to the internet's up, access to education, um, a lot of that kind of stuff is up. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of the unease that Westerners feel is that we're not like we're getting the rest of the world's catching up to us but we're not like making strides like we used to be Mm-mm. you know like this is the com- the world this is the <laughs> this is the country that you know invented flight and electricity and the telegraph and telephone and the internet yet the advantages of that are not really felt by the bulk of the population mm-hmm. uh, from anything from technological displacement to you know just an overall very depressed uh, state of the economy in general Mm. You know, so it's an age of anxiety, I guess. I feel for a lot of people. I feel like things like you've just mentioned, like the internet. Again, it comes back to things like we make these revolutionary inventions, only to <coughs> shoot ourselves in the foot, at least at the governmental level, or at least at the federal level to some extent, uh-huh. for for money. And it's just like net neutrality. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like it's a good idea for everybody, every individual, and everybody's an individual that the internet remain a free and open environment where everybody has equal access. Yeah. But then you have people put into place, like at the FCC, like Ajit Pai, who completely sells out the public mm-hmm. for the big business. So we have this large revolution, the information technology age, mm-hmm. only to hamstring ourselves uh-huh. by things like not giving net neutrality Title II prote- protections. Mm-hmm. And we just like... Two steps forward, three steps back. Mm-hmm. Two steps forward, three steps back. Mm-hmm. And what's it going to take for me to not have to work a 40-hour work week, Matt? Um, just p- political organization. Uh, <laughs> as part of my job, I run projects and stuff like that. I'm hiring some external developers. Yeah. And uh, the ones I'm looking at are mostly in Ukraine and mm-hmm. in Eastern Europe because mm-hmm. there's a lot from India that are applying for this uh, job role I've created. Right. Uh, but that's ex- like exactly on the opposite side of the world, mm-hmm. and so I don't want to deal with that ex- extreme of a time difference. Right. So Eastern Europe's great because I can still talk to them like in the same day. Right. You're like I have to get up at two a.m. so yeah. I can speak to this guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or they do, and right. it's like I don't want to put that on them either, mm-hmm. or just communicate all from email. So anyway, yeah. you know, like they have like national holidays like all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just an issue of like what they prioritize. Right. That's the real thing. Is like over the past 30, 40 years, this country rather than the social surplus being kind of broadly felt by most people in terms of their own earnings and potential. Mm. It's just gone completely to the top. Yeah. So, and, and within certain select industries. Mm. So like if you're in an industry that's in that fortune 50, make it a killing. Right. Or like really leading the charge in technology and stuff like that. Mm. Like they're on the other side of the spectrum. Like they're making, you know, bank, bank. There's oceans of money. Yeah. Tributaries of money flowing flowing around in that system. So they can have a really, uh, like a real, you know, what like was taken for granted as like a, a middle class lifestyle uh, years and years and decades ago mm-hmm. like but in order to live that comfortably now you need to like start making it like 90,000 bucks a year right you know as an individual yeah there's some thing i overheard recently it was like if you make up to 80,000 like that's like the beginning of the plateau that goes to like 110 or 120 and then after you make anything beyond 120,000 a year it's like almost kind of like Unfelt. I, I've it's heard numbers, numbers on a piece of paper. Yeah, like no, that. I've heard. I've heard similar. I've read similar. Unless you're like into like luxury crap. But. No, no, I've read similar scientific articles. Yeah. Like that say 
and this was a while back, and I think it was the number was seventy five thousand or something. It was somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy five, ninety thousand, basically saying right. once you make this much, your happiness index right. doesn't increase. Right. Like it just doesn't get any better. Right. So, but the problem is, it's like. I don't think an average amount of people in the United States make even close to that. Right. I don't even. I don't know what that number is. Right. But well, th- that's the thing is, too, we don't have a fact checker, Matt. The uh, our fact checkers. <laughs> our fact checkers. The gone. Uh, the scale of monetary growth. Yeah. Uh, that kind of mirrors the the the, the, per, the productive potential mm-hmm. of the economy. That's kind of uh, met that scale, right? So like, right. but it's not equally distributed. Um, and then the other flip side of that is also that, you know, that's about how much the average American worker should be producing at. Right. The, but, the but, productivity level of the average American worker, if properly applied, right. would be like 70000 bucks starting. And that may be what they're making, but it's not what they're earning. That may be what they're generating. Right. But it's not what they're earning. Right. Yeah. So, like, getting to that is really not that hard to do. And, like, this country is even more absurd now because we're, like, falling, not only stagnating, but, mm-hmm. like, backsliding. Yeah. Uh, so like countries like Sweden have like an average earnings of like sixty five thousand a year as like what their average citizen. and that's Swedish money. Yeah, no, no, that's American. No, I know, I'm just yeah. fucking. So in like uh, Singapore, mm-hmm. you know, like the average, I think the average is even higher there. Mm-hmm. So like really, like with you know the the technological revolution of the past twenty years has made every every individual worker like more orders of magnitude more productive. Yeah. Yet, yet we're poor all for it. Right. But all that is not only has the rich in this class, in this in this country, taken all of that extra surplus, but it's not enough. They want more. That's, they, they, that's, want what, they want what you, what you used to make, too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And the shirt off your back. That is what I'm saying, dude. Right. That is the whole, like, one of the whole reasons I started this podcast was to point out the absurdities of the modern, of modern day capitalism in the United States. I don't think, in my opinion, it works clearly if what you're talking about is what we have now that's the thing is the economy like objectively creates wealth right like but a, where does it a, go a surplus of right wealth. but where does it go right exactly does it go to the people who are generating that wealth or right. does it go to the top one percent who right. have happened to have been born into a family that has over centuries and you know organized or just uh you know even if they're a technological giant like facebook or something like right. that or Microsoft, or mm. whatever, just by the construction of monopoly, right? Right by unimpeded ability to buy up your competitors, right? Uh, liquidate them, steal their intellectual property, and then just like or th- sue them out of existence. Yeah, throw or just even like with the clout that some of the biggest players do in the technological industry, mm. they can just like like make a phone call. It's like that. Yeah, you know, they, I just like pushed up my shoulders as a gesture. Yeah, like I'm gonna like throw a punch or something like right. that. And it, even by doing that, they can create ripples in like in the stock market, it, or well, and with their competitors, yeah. and with investors, other competitors, and all kinds of stuff. So yeah. there's just massive, like in the uh, Gilded Age, there's just massive monopoly, like the trusts, mm-hmm. and you know, huge over just overreaching, super powerful companies and banks that represent them, and you know, their unimpeded power and domination of the society for decades, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what we seem to be in, but. Even in spite of all that, there's a lot of a lot of progress. It's just mostly not felt in this country. Yeah, and sad. when people you know see all that wealth growing and they don't feel that they're a part of it, you know the amount of you know disenfranchisement, disillusionment, cynicism, all that kind of stuff happens. But it's you know I mean it would be very interesting if like in our lifetime because I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, but it could it could happen if the U.S. ever defaulted on our debt. 
and it right. di- and it didn't result in a world war. Yeah, like the amount of wealth that we would see if if reason if reason was able to prevail. Uh, yeah, would like result in such an overwhelming uh, influx of wealth to the average citizen that yeah. it would be quite the sea change. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree completely. I I. I you would hope, one would hope that, that that would be the case and that would be what happens. Especially now, considering what's going on with the current administration, I think they just said that the current budget is going to balloon the federal deficit a trillion dollars more than it already is. Mm-hmm. So it's increasing exponentially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this trade war with China and these, tar- these tariffs going back and forth. Yeah. And now with the Chinese dude, I can't remember what his name is, but he's like... Sim- Xi. 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 Yeah. He has, like, cemented his power for life, almost. Yeah, he's, like, a dictator now. Yeah, like, they got rid of term limits, so yeah. he's like, well, I'm not going anywhere. Right. Uh, it will be very interesting to see how that plays out. And now with this whole Robert Mueller probe, not to get too into the weeds on that, but now that Trump's thinking about firing Robert Mueller, which is, like, would be a complete... He's going to fire justice. Sessions. He's going to fire Jeff Sessions, put in a, a lackey mm-hmm. that'll fire Mueller. Mueller. Yeah. yeah. But what will happen with that is a lot of Deep South old conservative senators will basically... Pretty much turning against Trump at that point. They kind of already are, well, and a lot of them are giving up their seats. A lot of incumbents. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it will be. Mm. All right, moving on. <clears throat> Our next article is from Oregon Live or Article. Uh, suspect in Kaiser Pizza Hut robber robbery killed by officer. Uh, this is a pretty short article. Mm. Oregon State Police say a suspect in the armed robbery of a pizza hut was shot and killed by a police officer. Lieutenant. Carrie Boyd says the robbery happened around uh, Wednesday night in Kaiser. This is an old article, so this is like weeks old. Hmm. Uh, Wednesday night in Kaiser, she says the suspect, 26-year-old Ryan Chapman of Salem, crashed his car into another and then ran. Kaiser officer Tyler Wampler fired his gun during the ensuing confrontation. Wampler has been p- placed on paid administrative leave. The Oregon State Police is handling the investigation. Because when you shoot and kill somebody for, for robbing a, a pizza hut... I guess the dude did have a gun. You're paid on administrative... You get put on paid administrative leave. No. After the fact. Why shouldn't you be? I guess. I guess they got to so. do an investigation. they got to yeah. see if he's yeah. crazy or you yeah. know, if he shot himself in self-defense. Or yeah, I don't know. Be. I just see... Uh, I see articles like this where, you know, stuff like that happens and it's, uh, it's very discouraging. Really? Very discouraging. <laughs> I'm reading a book called uh, Factfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, which is recommended by Bill Gates, mm. which is kind of a red flag, but also kind of, <laughs> okay. kind, of kind of interesting. If you had said it was written by uh, by uh, Henry Kissinger, yeah. I would have given you <laughs> more credit. Uh, but it shows a lot of that stuff I was just talking about, about the, there's really no third world. The case that it makes is there's really no, barely such thing as a third world country anymore. Right. You know, even in some of the parts of... Uh, Poor, poor parts of Africa. Yeah, they have roads. They and, have phones. Yeah, they have phones. flip phones and yeah. like e-payments and like electronic banking. Yeah, because that can all just be you know. It's like, so easily ported. Right. Yeah. It's not as uh, there's not a, a big capital outlay like building a giant hydroelectric. Yeah, it's like it's like a little plastic yeah. phone. Right, and they can like cell towers. Right, and they can get them used from other countries and yeah. stuff like that. So even the dis- dissemination of technology just like seeping through other cultures has caused such a revolution over the past 10, 20 years. Yeah. That, you know. All these metrics are down. All you know, every metric looks like it's getting better all the time. But you know, the cynicism of like the average Westerner across to Europe and the Americas is like overwhelming. It's just getting worse. Getting worse all the time. Yeah. So it's just speaking to that. It's yeah. Interesting. 
very interesting dynamic. Yeah. Very interesting dynamic here on Squad Broken. Where I we think it, well, it tries what I... I'm only about 30 pages into it. I, I know what already he's doing. Mm-hmm. It's basically just trying to wave that all away with the magic wand of showing the statistics, showing the rest of the world. But it's like, well, how does that help me? Yeah, exactly. Like, I live in the fucking United States. And my or, rent, or, or in Europe, yeah. where we have 40% youth unemployment. Yeah. So the fact that they got phones in Africa now, like, great. But, like, what what, like, what the good does that do me? Yeah, what does that you do know? me when my rent is 60% of my income? Right. Yeah. yeah. So big disconnect there. But, you know, I think an oligarch like Bill Gates would love that because it's like, hey, look, everybody, things are great. Look you know? over here. Yeah, I'm flying around in my private jet and giving TED Talks. They look like, so small down there. It's because right. they're ants. Right. They are ants. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, another uh, article from the Oregonian. Uh, more Portland high-rise apartments rented as hotel rooms, many without required permits. And this kind of shit just makes me seethe, dude, because a permit is just a fucking piece of paper that says you can do this because we say so. <laughs> Residents... Uh, hey, man, sorry. Resident... <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. I've adopted the... Fu- Were you not there but for the first third of the segment of the show? Isn't that a way... Probably that they want permits to prevent rents from getting higher. Irrelevant. And you're like all regulation. I hate. <laughs> I hate the regulation that I that I would like if you. I heard it out. But, yep. it, but uh, I don't have time to hear it. <laughs> I hate it all. I hate the regulation. I would like if I didn't hate it. <laughs> right. But since I hate it, well, I'm going to read this article. We know our our, our positions on the uh, the college funding thing of, of many yeah. episodes ago. Oh, so. <laughs> yes, we do, sir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay, residents of downtown Portland's Lad Tower last year started noticing a growing number of strangers in their building's lobby and elevators, often with, lu- with luggage in tow. See, I love I love reading some of these articles in a smarmy type of voice because it gives me the pride in knowing that I hate things like this. So and, and what these things are, he doesn't even really know. I don't even really know. It could be anything on any given day. Let's continue. They arrived at a time when residents were already on edge over a series of break-ins, and crime prevention officials had warned them to watch out for unfamiliar people. It wasn't clear where they were coming from until residents found the building listed on the website Stay Alfred, which rents out vacant apartments to travelers. <laughs> Quote, I signed up to live in a home, not a hotel, said Lisa Cox, a resident of the building. Holland Residential has turned this into a hotel without me even knowing. Mm-hmm. Lad Tower, owned by Holland, isn't alone. The owners of a handful of high-end apartment buildings are now offering rooms to rent by the night through Stay Alfred and a Portland-based competitor, Vacasa. <laughs> it's part of a small but growing industry that allows building owners to make money off of empty units, even as the city's housing shortage pushes his... Even as the city's housing shortage pushes rents and home prices to record levels. Mm. And while the city generally allows this kind of short-term rental in commercial zones, many of these high-rise apartments appear to be violating city code because they lack a required permit. In recent years, Portland has enjoyed this high demand for lodging near downtown core that's resulted in the construction of thousands of new hotel rooms. Meanwhile, consumers are increasingly comfortable with online vacation rentals and listings emphasize that this is not just an Airbnb. The rooms come with housekeeping services, and you won't find any of the primary residents' belongings because no one's living in the unit. Is this like the equivalent of like the five minutes of hate from <laughs> <laughs> 1984? Of that what? I'm seething, and I don't even know why. I don't even know why. <laughs> but uh, let's see how much more of this article's left. Yeah, there's too much of it for me to continue in that voice. But yeah, so aren't, aren't you riled up, three <laughs> listeners? Let's go raise hell. <laughs> Anyways. What are, we, what are we angry about? We don't know. <laughs> the thing is... 
for me, I'll summarize what I'm I think angry the, about. I think briefly, in that dizzying spew of vitriol, yeah. I felt like a Republican for like yeah, two, a couple seconds. That's what I imagine yeah. like hardcore, staunch conservative Republicans <laughs> sound like in their head. Dude. Yeah, just. Just. <laughs> just I over, over the dumbest shit, dude. <laughs> but I'm irate over stuff that matters. So, why? <laughs> You're like. By me being a rate over it, <laughs> therefore gives it justification. That's right, right. The two and two make five. <laughs> so anyways, what the reason I, I get upset at things like this is because <clears throat> it says, the, the part of this title says, more Portland, more Portland high-rise apartments rented as hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. And then this is the part that pisses me off. Uh-huh. Many without required permits. Mm. I feel like, should it really matter that these... Idiots are getting upset. I I signed up to live in an apartment, not a hotel. It's like part, part of me is like, okay, well, you know, they should be able to control if it turns into a hotel or not. Right. But part of me also is like, these people are super rich. Fuck them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like if I rent, it's like subleasing, right? These people, these property owners, people who own a majority of land, they're always trying to stop people from thinking outside the box. They're like. I own this property and I want to do all this trouble to get a monopoly. So the last thing I want is some asshole subleasing his apartment that I'm fucking reaming them up the ass charging $5,000 a month for. Right. And so somebody is like, well, I could, you know, sublease this place, make a little bit of money while I'm gone. Mm. And these fucking... Or they have to do that to even afford the rent. Or they have to do that to even afford the rent. Right. And these assholes... Or it's an investment view. I don't really imagine a lot of people going into investing into a condominium subleasing a condo or an apartment yeah right the amount of work for that is like it seems like more than it'd be worth yeah i mean like oh did they break the sink did they break something in the shower shit's always breaking yeah exactly property management like uh the place where i live every freaking day they're sending an email out like hot tub doesn't work gym is on the thing yeah laundry things that's just wear and tear yeah it's normal wear and tear so but what i'm saying is this this type of article i see it's it's like the asshole legislators who are in the pocket of Prop, like real real estate owners make billions millions of dollars millions and billions of dollars are like you need to put a stop to this mm-hmm. I built this building down on first street so I can make a million dollars a year these assholes are like cutting into his cost of like meanwhile, t- like a, like fifty thousand a year the cost of the building is like nothing compared to what it's actually you know it's money value is. right my point is some asshole wants a monopoly on something that he invested in and and therefore, you know, we put a spin piece article like this out, right. saying, "Oh, this is all d- yeah, dirty pool." Dude. Dur- it's, yeah, it's, it's, there's like, no there's no such thing as an unbiased article coming out of the Oregon. Right. It's like more Portland mm-hmm. high rise apartments rented as hotel rooms, many without required permits, and that's supposed Every, to, everything's an editorial. That that's supposed to shock me as an individual. Like right. I'm supposed to talk to my neighbors and be like, "Did you hear that these <laughs> high rise apartments in Port- are being rented as hotels without required permits?" It's like, give me right. a fucking break, dude. Sure. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck off. I'm tired of hearing fucking articles. You know, it's just like that article we talked about last uh, episode on the permit for the downtown apartments. Mm-hmm. And it was it was gonna rob rob the residents of the of the of the Greenway. It's like you know they were trying to build an apartment mm-hmm. complex with so, with some uh, rent controlled apartments, not mm-hmm. all of them, but a portion of them. Mm-hmm. And it was gonna put a lot of them mm-hmm. smack dab downtown where they could where they need it. Right. And they're like, nope, because these assholes in the fucking Pearl mm-hmm. District, part of a homeowners association, didn't want to block their view of Mount Hood. Yeah, it's such a sticky issue. Yeah, you know, because not on this podcast. No, well, you even get like rent-controlled apartments or something like right. that, 
and like the general disinvestment of that right. would, I think, I mean, this is totally just all Everything off we the say cuff. on this podcast this is, is a conjecture. This is a character playing a character, <laughs> yes. like making an off-the-cuff statement. Yeah. And the fact checker is not even in the room. The fact so, checker is not in the room, so it doesn't matter. Able. So, yeah. uh, but I would think that those would be pretty run down. Right, because they're not like they're not competing for anyone's attention. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's there's just all kinds of shit to think about with uh, with uh, rank control. Yeah, or just just property in general, right? Right. Yeah. So the the, the problem of the commons, as they call it, it's yeah. like if it's everybody's responsibility, then or it's if it's no, everybody's then property, it's no then it's no one's problem. Right. Dude, I cannot tell you. I don't want to get too into it, and I'm not going to. But when you say, and I don't know if I've said this before in the podcast, but I'm going to fucking say it. When you say that something is everyone's responsibility, it is no one's responsibility, so it never gets done. Like being a good citizen. Anything, dude. <laughs> Anything. Because if you say, if you say to somebody, so the so the way of, you know you structure responsibility <clears throat> in an environment, uh, uh, whether it's a company or a business, and you know this is from a layman's perspective, mm-hmm. is you give individuals specific tasks that they are solely responsible for at any given time. Or maybe only at certain times, like during their shift. Mm-hmm. So that when something doesn't get done, you can go to them and say, it was your responsibility to do this at this time. Mm-hmm. Why didn't it get done? Mm-hmm. And they can say to you, well, I was busy doing this, which has a higher importance of value that you've told me <clears throat> and takes precedence. Therefore, that didn't get done. And the manager can say, oh, okay, let me shift priorities and have you do this instead at this time. Mm-hmm. Right? If you say to a group of people, this is everybody's responsibility you have to go to everybody and say, why didn't this get done? And everybody looks at you and just gives you the finger because you can't pinpoint the responsibility to anybody right. and single them out and say, why didn't this get done? Oh, this is why it didn't get done. Let's fix it. Sure. I don't know how that's a crazy idea. <laughs> it's not. And so even, you, even if you give something to the responsibility of two people, right. then it's neither. It's the, still disseminated. It's still, it's still no one's responsibility. Right. Because, because let's say that the, those things, the thing that you gave to every, it's everybody's responsibility didn't get done. Mm. You can't write them up and discipline them. Right. Because you, you, what are you going to do? Discipline everybody and then, and then say to everybody, okay, I'm going to write you all up because this didn't get done. So you write everybody up. Right. And it still doesn't get done. You look at anything ambitious, like the Panama Canal or the right. Manhattan Project, mm-hmm. you give one guy total dictatorial control. Over that specific? Over that project. Yeah. And if he fucks up or doesn't work, you fire him. Mm-hmm. Then you get someone else. And you, until you find someone that has the ability of leadership and organization... To produce results. To produce results, and you, then you keep let them do what they need to do. Right, exactly. So, like, you know, it only can fall everyone on one person's head. I just do... I've, I've been at so many places... That say it's everybody's responsibility, and I just I just look at them and I'm like, okay, I'm like, depends what they're saying. I mean, if they're saying like, I'm I'm using to the success, general blanket statements. It's, it's everyone's responsibility for this ship to succeed, and we're all on a ship. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying let, let's. It's everybody's responsibility to answer phones. Right. Yeah. Some specific task. Some specific task. If it's some nebulous thing of like, you know, it's everyone's responsibility on this ship to keep the ship afloat. Yeah. Then sure. Then, but that that's not because, a specific because, task. Because reality will yeah. hold you to account right. if you do not do that task. Right, exactly. As opposed to someone else trying to like identify it's like, it. It's like, this specific task is everybody's responsibility. Okay, then it's nobody's responsibility. It's not going to get done. Person comes back. Why isn't this getting done? Because it's everybody's responsibility. Therefore, it's nobody's responsibility. Mm. I don't know how that the most simplest of concepts cannot be understood. <laughs> Moving on. Last up, our last article on uh, this 
episode of Squad Broken. This is an older article, and I think since then, um, this has actually been updated, so I'll follow that up. Uh, Portland Burgerville could become first federally recognized fast food union shop in the U.S. Workers at a Burgerville in southeast Portland say they said they plan to file for a federal union election and move that could place a move that could place employees of the fast food franchise at the forefront of a national labor fight. Flanked by supporters, employees of the chain's Southwest 92nd Avenue and Powell Boulevard location made the announcement outside the company's Vancouver headquarters on Monday. The group said the company had 48 hours to voluntarily recognize a two-year-old union created by workers, which has pushed for a $5 hour raise, which I say more power to them. Should the company decline, workers will petition the National Labor Relations Board for a government-administered election to be held at their store sometime in April. Quote, Burgerville respects the right of every employee to support or not support the organization of a union. Beth Brewer, a senior vice president for the company, sent an email to the Oregonian slash Oregon Live. Quote, if there's enough support, we anticipate they will file a petition with the NLRB. Burgerville will abide by the NLRB's decision and guidance. And I think since then, be nice if we had a fact checker, but we don't. I think since then, uh, I've read they did get their union status and they didn't even have to go to the NLRB that Burgerville just recognized their hmm. right, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to get the five dollar an hour raise, and I didn't really read the most recent. I don't know article. if Burgerville can afford a five dollar an hour raise. But that's the thing that is you're not considering. This is the classic bait and switch, dude. If the justification is I will pay more for my food at Burgerville uh-huh. for these people to have a five dollar an hour raise, right? As long as it's understood that every penny of that of the extra money that I am paying for my food is going to that, right. then it's justified. But here's where big business gets you. That you say well, I think why they were able to be successful is because they're a medium-sized business. Okay, I mean their competitors are like mega chain super conglomerates. McDonald's, right? And this is like a local, regional. But we, you flag. can't argue that somebody like McDonald's that makes fucking millions, if not billions, of well, dollars they got a year. Like, they got like merc- a crack team of like black ops mercenaries. <laughs> they're saying like someone's trying to, you know, in Vallejo, they're trying to organize a, a fucking union. union, and then like they just drop down. And, you know, <laughs> just fire them all. But yeah. Get rid of them all. Shooting pink slips, of course. Right, exactly. Yeah, but, you know, they got internal counterintelligence networks and shit about that. Like, right. You know, Ford, like the Ford company did, like, during the Great Depression, you know. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I think it's a good thing. I hope they get it. I hope they get the $5 raise. I think you got to start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, interesting, yeah. It's not about being able well, to it's, afford, it's, dude. It's, kind, it's, of an antagonist, it's, it's kind of an antagonistic relationship, though, right? We're the union. Now you're the company. Like... If it was like a company or a corporate-owned company or like an employee-owned company, then everyone has the same stake of saying, you know, we're we are all responsible for increasing. Revenue it's not all all responsible. That has that's not. I'll we'll see. A we'll good see. Analogy. We'll see how they do. We'll see how they do. What's your contention with the well, problem I, with the third-party union? I don't know. Think of Safeway, mm-hmm. right? A local, heavily unionized grocery store. Okay. That is fucking horrible. I didn't know that they were unionized. Yeah. And how are they horrible? You you have to wait in incredibly long lines. I don't give a shit about that. I don't give a shit about waiting in long lines. Really? I don't. They were the they were the last to put in the U check things. I don't after, care after everyone else. So I'll tell you this: there's a Safeway right up the road. Uh-huh. I go there when uh, there's something that I want that I can only get at a Safeway. Okay. Yeah, I do wait in a line. Uh-huh. Do I give a shit enough not to shop there? No. Do I care that I have to wait in a line they don't for somebody have, to get paid a they living wage? Don't even have a fifty plus selection of kombucha. So how am I supposed to go there? Well, uh, that sounds like a personal problem, Matt. Well, see, we so know they, how much I hate they, kombucha. Uh, so a union, if they are in that kind of mindset of like, mm-hmm. okay, now I have this antagonistic relationship with the business, and I'm how is it antagonist? 
Well, and which relationship are you talking we're about? Gonna, that we're going to strike for more wages, or we're going to like do slowdowns for more wages. So what? That's the fault. That is the fault of the business owners who refuse to give living wages to their employees and hoard the wealth like Smog the Dragon. Have you not seen the Hobbit movies? <laughs> well, I think you put the onus on the employees okay, and say, not let, the let's, business. Let's owner. pick a different business to make a little more clear of a point. Okay. Like a GameStop. Okay. Okay. Super low profitability. Okay, right. yeah, Pro- their profit margins I mean, are they're razor thin. Buying thing. and selling, yeah, used they're essentially games a pawn store to nerds. Yes, right. Like, there's not a big like profit center right. there for for anything. They right. could do that the most effective and efficiently possible. They, they literally the revenue would still be. They're li- literally a monopoly in that industry, and their profit margins are still razor thin. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, like, if they get unionized mm-hmm. and their employees say, "We want a ten dollar an hour raise," right, then they're out of business. Good, because they can't afford it. Okay, what's wrong with that? Well, the, Maybe they the, shouldn't the, be in business to begin with. Well, yeah, sure. But like until you uh, replace, you know, like until we start doing stuff at the capabilities of humankind presently to put people to work doing the things that humanity needs done. No, okay, stop and stop you right there. Then it's, we're just like throwing more people out onto the streets. It's not about it's not about giving people jobs that are quote that quote need to be done. It's about if there's a job that is out there, you have to look at the profits and where they're going. Mm-hmm. And if your CEO is getting millions and millions of dollars in bonuses or makes $50,000, hold on, okay. or makes $50,000 a day, right? right? Mm-hmm. And your workers are making barely enough to, to live. Mm-hmm. And I'm not using GameStop because I don't think that's a good analogy. I don't think... You sh- anybody should get a job at GameStop to live off of, except for maybe the manager, yeah. right? Maybe, huh? maybe, because they have to do everything. Mm-hmm. So even then, if your CEOs and your top executives and your shareholders are making hand over fist cash and your workers who are doing the work make barely enough, less than enough to get by, mm-hmm. something is wrong morally and ethically with your business model. Mm-hmm. But in today's capitalist America, uh-huh. The paradigm that they get you to believe, uh-huh. and by they I mean big business, right. is that the onus is to be put on the individual worker, and that it's not the misallocation of these. Well, profits. I think yeah, it's totally within the right to try to do that. I'm just saying that, like, you know, if you grew up in the antebellum South and it was 1845, mm. and you were lived in South Carolina, mm-hmm. then the only way for you to actually make money was in the slave system, or Growing tobacco or whatever, yeah, growing rice or tobacco or cotton right. for export, and you would do that, and you would do that by employing slaves. Yeah, and right. For you not to do that would be tantamount to shooting yourself in the foot because everybody else was doing it. Yeah, because that's right. what you're competing with, and right, this is exactly. a systemic thing. And if you as wrong to, as it may be, if you don't do it, you're going to go under. You're going to be destroyed and rolled over like a steamroller by the right. people that are because they control all the clout of the, the legislation, center of gravity, yeah. and mm-hmm. the legislation, and the judges, and yeah. the legal system, right. and the religious system. And everything that's written, said, or spoken about. Right. So the printing press. Yeah. So unless you're combating it from the systemic point of view, and just saying, like, bas- you know, this business owner bad or. Well, no. It's so yeah, you can combat it from the systemic point of view. But my point is, is let's say you work at Burger Bill, you don't have much clout, you don't have much time, you don't have much money. Sure. Because you work at Burger Bill. Right. So that is the the hand that life has dealt you. Right. You've chosen to work here for whatever reason. The only, the only, push, pull, give, clout that you have bargaining power mm-hmm. is your collective bargaining power. Mm-hmm. So this dude who works at Burgerville, just whoever, 
John Smith, John Doe, whatever. Right. John Johnny Come Lately, like right. whatever. Sure. He doesn't have time to go to town hall meetings, and even when he casts his vote, well, I think he does. Well, hold on. Even when he casts his vote, yeah, it's not going to mean as much as the dude who who gives a million dollars to a certain legislator's political campaign. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't mean as much. The more money you have, the more your vote matters. The more your money matters, the more politicians listen sure, to you. Right. So I get sick and tired of hearing, and I'm not saying this is what you're saying, this is what I'm saying a lot well, of political talking I'm not, heads I'm say. I'm not one to shy from arguments. What, what, you what, need to preface your well, you're not stuff. saying it. A lot of political talking heads, uh-huh. like Lou Dobbs and whatnot, yeah. let's say, right. they like to say, just vote them out of office. Your vote matters. Like, the voters are who run this country. Give me a fucking break, dude. Mm -hmm. First thing, every vote is not equal. Right. Okay? Second thing, voting somebody out of office doesn't recuse them from all of the bullshit they pulled and lives they've affected while in office. For example, Flint, Michigan. Uh They switched that water over and killed people. Uh And some of them are being held accountable for it. But if you did that shit in business, right... First thing, you'd be fired right away. Then there'd be an investigation. Then possible criminal charges. Mm-hmm. But it's like, again, who watches the Watchmen? I forgot what my point was. But you're very angry. But I'm very angry. <laughs> well, there's the extendency of the like the, the day-to-day life, mm-hmm. right? And so they know that they're impoverished. They know that they're not getting the wages they could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also the f- philosophy of like the overreaching concept. You know, this country was founded on a philosophy mm. of like, you know, the Latin farmer, super well read, mm. independent, free, knew what oppression was, knew what unjust taxation was, mm. and opposed it, right? So you gotta have both. Because one's the tactics of like how you get out of this specific situation you're in, that of wage slavery or whatever. Mm. But others the strategy of like how do you win a war about, you know, expressing that more fundamental aspect of humanity, building our civilization around that. As opposed to, you know, just endless greed and profit motive and I think aggrandizement of, you know, irrelevant piles of garbage like I, I think, oligarchs. I think how you win that war is through self-education. And unfortunately, the people who suffer the most from it are the ignorant and the willfully ignorant. So a lot like the Deep South, like a lot of that happens there. Like I think what was it we were saying last, last episode is... Alabama is like one of the if not I think it's the poorest state mm-hmm. like just the poorest state and unfortunately they don't have a lot going for them as far as their statistics are concerned mm-hmm. their their STDs the rate of religion I mean they're not thinkers you know what I, does it, what, I, what I mean when I say that is you can be religious and be intelligent right but a lot of times those things don't necessarily go hand in hand and they've got a lot of problems down there. <laughs> so very insightful. So it goes to show. What I'm saying is, it goes to show. Here's a place you, I've never been. Now you take. Let me summarize. <laughs> now you take the opposite, like the Pacific Northwest. Very liberal, very progressive. A lot of independent thinkers, right? Mm-hmm. Very progressive legislature. I'm using blanket general statements, and I may cut this whole segment out. No, uh, please don't. I think it's okay. Interesting. Um, you know, a lot of the, the laws that we have up here, like uh, pro, pro-choice, right? Uh, being able, woman being able to make her own health care decisions based on whether or not she wants to carry well, a... that's the thing is like the, the center of gravity in politics is which, something I really uh, got under my skin severely in the 2016 election, mm. is that the Bernie Sanders, you know, diehard true believer mm. believes that the center of politics is like between the suburbs and inner city of Los Angeles. Mm. But the political divide actually is like between the backwater, 
rural Montana mm. in like you know Los Angeles downtown, right. right? Right. The center, and by that, what I mean is the established seats of power, mm. like the Senate, where Montana is somehow equivalent to California. Right, because they both have the same amount of representatives, even though their populations are drastically different. It shifts the entire center of gravity of the American politics. For them, for about them. thirty seats in the in the senior house mm. of. of of legislation, so less people to, have to a, fewer power to a radically conservative bent, mm-hmm. and so the center of political gravity for the entire every aspect of everything talked about in a political or economic context is reflected by that. Mm-hmm. That's why you know what other countries have now surpassed us and will continue to do so until we get to a situation where one person equals one vote. Yeah, I think that's you know, like if popular you, vote. Yeah, and rather than that making that like the central focus of a reform agenda. Because you're not going to get anything you want out of a Bernie Sanders agenda, mm. while Montana. Well, those types well, of structures well, are relevant. Well, a redneck yeah. in Montana holds the same has sway. Fifty times the vote concentrated power that you do, and he's concerned about his Bible, his guns, and, uh, and his some, woman some not being transsexuals able to, yeah. that he's never met or yeah. seen or talked yeah. to or ever encountered in his yeah. life that scare him because yeah. they're different, and abortion yeah. because you know like. Anyone in a lowly populated area, it's a survival mentality to say, yeah. "We live in an area with no people. We got to procreate." And, and if you live, yeah, we got to procreate. And you know, women's uterus is not, you know, up until like the past couple of decades, yeah. being generally community property. Yeah, because to let you know, uh, women do whatever they wanted was, you know, when you know infant mortality was forty percent and mm. this, that, and the other thing, you know. You, you know, a lot of the stuff existed for survival. Do you sake. think? And I'm going to interject here real quick. Do you think that's where the old school idea comes from, where people shame others for like? And I noticed a lot of baby boomer type generations and older had this mentality. They shame younger generations for not having children because it's selfish. Do you think that's where that comes from? Um, that ideology. Well, that's just a trend across the entire developed world, mm. where it's like you know, from Korea to Japan to the United States to all of Europe. Even like the trend now is presenting itself in other uh, countries that are developing mm. because you know uh, everything's economic, right? Mm. So if like you had seven, eight kids, it was an economic problem. Well, people were farmers back in the day. Yeah, you need a lot of hands. You need lots of uh, manual labor. Now it's all you know the now it's less than ten percent of, of farmers. It's all so so you think people never got over that, right? So people were like. Majority of people in the states, for example, used to be farmers, have seven, eight kids, got a lot of hands, big family. Yeah. They never really outgrew or matured past that idea, that paradigm shift of we don't need that many fucking people anymore, right? Like you maybe need one or two kids if you want kids. Uh-huh. We don't. You don't need well, all those kids, all those norms of sexual dominance and uh, norm normativity and religion, religious background, and all that stuff. All that stuff is you know is radically uh, in clash and uh, trying to find a synthesis with the modern vagaries of everyday life mm. I mean the sexual revolution still we're still living out the uh, aftershocks of that you know the, right. the ability that um, you know birth control condoms easy mm-hmm. access to you know uh, legal abortion stuff right, like that right. radically changed all kinds of all kinds of normative uh, you know stuff not for better or for worse I'm not going to speak on that point right I'm just saying it had profound impacts and the society and the culture still is like trying to cope with it you know mm-hmm. and so I don't know with like that being the case, you know, you, you had multiple amendments in the progressive era of like the direct election of senators, for example. Right. Because the senators used to be elected by your local representatives, which is even more dirty and like seedy and <laughs> underhanded than it is presently. 
so the direct election of senators was one of those reform agendas. I mean, it's going to take a grassroots movement. And I mean, I don't know how it would really happen because it's such a massive transfer of power. Mm-hmm. But if you could really get it to one person, one vote, you know, then we could have these conversations because the urbanite person, which is overwhelmingly how people actually want to live. Yeah. People want to live in urban or suburban areas. Sure. Because they have access to jobs, food, education. Hospital. Utilities. Whatever, yeah. Good, you know. All, civilization. All civilization, right? So that's overwhelmingly how people want to live, and that's not up for argument. That's just statistics of migration patterns, right. density, and population growth. Right. Yeah. There we go. It's back. It's back. There we go. It's back. Do you feed this cat like... Do you feed the cat like every couple of hours? No, but his fat ass is waddling over here, that's for sure. Um, so that being the case, mm-hmm. like other societies that mm-hmm. have more direct representation mm. we're able to reflect that right and so the suburban and urban voter they want things like crime reduction which to them means gun control it means mass transit yeah. traffic jams pollution yeah. right uh, access to education infrastructure access to housing yeah. infrastructure things that like matter to them matter and will be the defining features of the next hundred years where the rural voter you know is obsessed about big government and his, you know, uh, autonomy or perceived independence from the system. Yeah. And religious stuff, because that's what flourishes in areas with, uh, you know, they're lacking... Science. Culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, for better or for worse. Right. Just, you know, uh, not, not to try to take sides on it, but you, no, no. You, you don't have, like, you know, the Met Metropolitan Museum or you know, you know, yeah. something like Broadway where you can go entertain yourself and yeah, yeah. whatever. So you know, there's, there's a lot less to do out there. Right. So you either are doing drugs or you know, there's a lot of religion. Fucking your sister. I don't know. Whatever. Well, so we're not going to split hairs here, man. Yeah. So that's the big divide here. And since like the rural part of the population has overwhelming power, yeah, <laughs> and it tends to keep it that way. Yeah. Like the electoral college, for example. Like California gets 55 votes. But actually, if it was actually completely proportional, yeah. they would get like 65 votes. Right. So, kind of interesting. Do that math, right? And then like Dakota, South Dakota wouldn't even get one. Right. Because there's so few people. Right. There. But they get three, and then California gets like minus 10 from actually what it should be. And all that adds up. Yeah. And so, you know, like, again, we had a Republican president elected that lost the popular vote by 3.5 million votes. Right. Yet he's in power. <clears throat> Yet he's in power. Yeah. And Bush lost the popular vote. Uh, Yet he's in power. Yeah. And with that note, folks, we will bid you adieu on Squad Broken. We hope you've had a cultured evening with us. cultured evening. We didn't mean to offend anybody. Please pay attention to our disclaimer at the front of this episode to make sure that you understand this podcast is a complete fabrication of satirical characters characters and uh, speech. And uh, try not to take any of it too seriously because it's just the opinions of two... Idiots. Remember, if you're the last one standing, this yeah. show is all yours. This show is all yours. We will see you next time. Say goodbye, Matthew. Fairly well. This is bye from Matthew, but bye from Stefan. Remember, government is socialism. You're just arguing over who pays how much in taxes and what it gets spent on. We'll see you next time. One squad, bro.